Hello and welcome to the Rev It Up Podcast, helping entrepreneurs fill up their tanks, crank up the RPMs, and put the pedal to the metal until they cross that finish line. Hello, I'm Jess Tiffany. Ready, set, go. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to be here today. I have a, a very exciting uh, person I want to introduce you to, uh, Bill uh, Carmody, and uh, he... Uh, He's just uh, absolutely uh, amazing person. He's been at TEDx. Uh, you know, he's met uh, Tony Robbins. He's got all kinds of great things going, uh, executive coaching, and and has a, just a, a huge stellar background. And, and give a little bit more about that. But uh, but uh, Bill, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and about your company and where to find you? Sure. Thanks, Jess. Uh, so yes, Bill Carmody. Uh, my website is BillCarmody.com. I also just published a book, The Three Rules of Marriage, which is ThreeRulesOfMarriage.com. And uh, I'm excited to dive into that with you a little bit today. And, and of course, on LinkedIn, as I know you, it's very near and dear to your heart. I've, I've spent a lot of time building my LinkedIn profile and getting it to exactly where I want it to be. Uh, used it for social selling and the whole nine. So there's lots of places to connect. Awesome. Well, exciting. So, so I saw you were on the, um, the uh, Forbes Council. Uh, Could you tell mm-hmm. a little bit about that and your experience with that and how it's going? Yeah. So I started out actually on Inc. before I went to Forbes. Um, okay. for, for about four years, I was a contributing writer for Inc. And uh, that came as an outcrop of being one of the Inc. 5000 winners two years in a row. And I was asked to then write about that for entrepreneurial uh, work and I was and so I wrote 350 articles on Inc.com, which is really like my foundation. Wow. And then uh, then they changed it up. They they sh- they shuffle a lot of people around, and I didn't make the cut when they w- did their revamp of everything. So I was like, all right, well, I'll try my hand at Forbes, and and it was a different experience. And I did it for about a year. It was fine. It was just a very very different approach uh, than what I had done at Inc. So I, I really okay. just did about 12 articles on Forbes, uh, and and I enjoyed the process while I was there. But it just it was not something I wanted to go as deep as with I had with ink yeah. yeah wow that's very cool yeah that's uh it's a great outlet to have access to though to be able to get your word the words out and uh, absolutely uh, very cool I I had a chance to write for Huffington Post for a little bit but uh but then they changed that and then uh, a few other anyway a few others but nothing nothing quite as exciting as Forbes yet so. well it, you know it's it's one of those wild west things I think you know what was really great I really enjoyed the process of writing for Inc I really did it was great and and I actually had quite a bit of really uh, powerful access and what I mean by that is is that there was a lot of conferences that wanted to have Inc represented and even though I was very clear that I was a contributing writer wasn't an editor wasn't on staff any of that stuff uh, you know, it was still didn't matter. They wanted to have some coverage uh, from the uh, Inc.com. And so I got to go to a lot of cool conferences, got okay. to meet a lot of really great people. And, uh, and I would say that it was really healthy for building my own brand and, and reputation because I was able to give so much to so many people. It helped build me up as somebody who I could be both as an authority and also someone else that could really support the getting the word out when somebody was trying to promote whatever product or service they were trying to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And um, how long have you been doing uh, the executive coaching and, and some of the stuff you're doing? 
Yeah, so I built and exited two multi-million dollar companies. And my second one was uh, in 2017. And when I left uh, TreyPoint, it was really for an opportunity to serve people as opposed to brands. I had, I had for 25 years, I worked with some of the best Fortune 100 company brands out there. I loved it. It was great. But what I was finding is that I cared more about my clients than I did about the companies they represented. And so when I switched to coaching, it was so that I could really focus on people as opposed to brands. And that really changed everything for me because when I really connect with one person, I feel like when that breakthrough occurs, it is so profound, both for the individual who I'm coaching, but also the overall experience of what it's like to be coached or to be in that environment where there's a blind spot that gets revealed and an opportunity to make some huge shift in, in a person's life. There's nothing more fulfilling like that than for that for me you know okay wow very cool and um so can you tell me a little bit about the uh, process from you, you had that company and then you did the exit and I'm kind of in i'm working with uh, an influencer named Corey warfield i don't know if you've heard of him but on linkedin but um we're kind of trying to we're launching some stuff um uh, but anyway i was kind of curious how you went from in you know getting started there and then through the process to to, to the exit strategy just some couple tips maybe along the journey or something. yeah absolutely um you know for for me what was really interesting was uh, I started out because I just wanted to bootstrap my own company and I really did everything I could to avoid going after money. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that most entrepreneurs make is they chase cash. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is, is that they go after outside funding, they find investors too early, uh, they, they get, to, uh, get to their eyeballs in debt. And I think all of those things uh, can be really problematic because you, you then don't have the flexibility or freedom to build the kind of company you out to build in the first place. So I'm a much bigger fan of being able to connect with client side funding, which is to say, build some incredible opportunities for your clients and have them fund your business. So that, that, that was the secret of both of the companies that I built and exited was to really come up with a core foundation of key clients that then I was able to build the entire company around based on the needs of those clients. And when you do it that way, then you're completely independent. You don't have to have a board of directors. You don't have to have, uh, you don't have to answer to uh, private equity or any type of outside capital. And that gives you the complete and utter freedom to build your business until you're ready to be done or exit. And at that point, then when you're pursuing an opportunity to have a connection with a private equity firm or with another company that wants to buy you, you know, everything's clean. You have a clean balance sheet, you have a clean business, you have everything that's been structured. And I found hiring an advisor was really a powerful part of the process to really clean up my act, to make sure that I had the right accounting software set up the right way. So, I mean, most people start out on QuickBooks and then you find as you grow and you become a multi-million dollar company, you really need to go into Sage or other accounting software and you want to sort of look at what NetSuite or others that basically provide you with foundational platforms that allow you to uh, to to look clean and, and, and interesting to the company that wants to acquire you. So simple things like that, that as an entrepreneur, you're not going to really know because it's not your focus unless you've hired a really powerful CFO who already knows all this stuff. They're going to they're going to take you down that path. Uh, those are some of the things that will allow you to become more attractive and have Having an outside uh, advisor who's really helping you guide you through the process will help make sure that you are finding multiple suitors that could then uh, buy you. And I think that was also another part of that was okay. to make sure that you have set yourself up for success. Yeah. 
So kind of like um, in real estate, when you try to get multiple offers. That's right. House, kind of that same idea. Yeah, think about it. If you only had one offer on your house, you know, you're not going to get the best offer. You're going to have basically whatever the market would demand in that particular person's situation. So if you're able to market your own company and have multiple people looking at bidding you, et cetera, now you have an opportunity to run up the op- you know, what it is that you're selling your company for. And then you have a better opportunity to dictate some of the terms, because if you don't have that, then you're really beholden to the person who's buying your company. Mm, okay. I, I love it. Um, and then, so how did you go from, um, anyway, your book is on uh, the three, three uh, rules of marriage. Yeah. And how did you get from your other books into that one? Yeah. So which, uh, thank you for that. It's a great question. So what I was finding in my coaching was that over 50% of marriages, this is statistically accurate, that over 50% of marriages uh, will end in divorce. And so I was finding a lot of the executives that I was coaching were having a lot of challenges in their marriage or were recently going through a divorce or a breakup. And it was hugely distracting on the business. So initially it wasn't me going in for relationship coaching. It was the fact that it just kept coming up. And we start to realize when you're coaching your client, you're thinking about all the things that are impacting them, their family, their financial situation, situation you know what do they do if they're if they're spiritual at all like what they're doing for any type of uh, spirituality components friendships i mean there's so many things that are we're we're multi-complex beings and so the the work that we're doing in the company is being impacted by all of those things Mm -hmm. so when you bring that all together what i was finding was is that i i had i was lucky enough that my father-in-law gave me the three rules of marriage before I married his daughter. And the reason I'd asked for it, I'd solicited the advice. My parents were both divorced when I was 12 years old. And so I looked at them and they were 40, at the time they were 45 years married and they were acting like newlyweds, you know, patting each other on the butt. It was just crazy, right? And I'd never seen anything like it. And now they're over 65 years married and they're 86 and 87 years old. It's just crazy, but they're still as blissfully happy in their marriage as they were when they first got married. So they were doing something right. And so what I did is I asked him, you know, what's the secret? And he said, I've got three rules. And I said, hold on, let me get a pen. (laughs) So I wrote this down and they're very simple conceptually and very like profound to implement. So the first rule is don't keep score. And again, all of these can be applied to the rules in business too, like your partnerships in business, your relationships with your clients and your customers, all the same thing. Uh, You don't keep score means you don't drag the history into the conversation. So if I'm having a conflict with a business partner or one of my employees, if I'm focusing on everything they've ever done wrong, there's no chance for there ever to be a successful outcome in that conversation. You know, they're only going to be made to feel dumb or wrong or, or bad. And ultimately there's no positivity or productivity that's going to come out of that conversation. So if you focus on not keeping score, you're focusing on what's happening in the moment. And then once it's, you've adjusted it, you let it go. Now that doesn't mean you're ignoring a pattern. If there's a pattern there then you can have a conversation with about what you're seeing and experiencing. But even then that's the moment you're seeing this, that you're seeing something that's starting to develop and something to keep an eye on. But if you're always focusing on everything someone's ever done, then they can never win with you. So that's the same thing gotcha. in your marriage. You know, if you're keeping yeah. or with your with your your spouse, there's no chance that they're ever going to be able to resolve whatever the issue is at hand. You're going to be talking about the history of everything that happened up to that moment. Yeah, I can see how that would be a big challenge. Uh, you know, um, my wife's got a particularly good memory. So yes, that's the other part. 
guys don't have a chance when it comes to that. You know, w women tend to have a much better memory of, of remembering all the things that ever happened. And if, if you, that were, it's an unfair fight because guys typically don't keep that in retention anyway. So even if you were to keep score, there's just, it's, it's a totally unfair fight. So it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work for either one of us, you know? Exactly. And what was, um, what was rule two then? Rule number two is it's more important to say, I appreciate you than I love you. And one of the reasons why that's so important is that you can be mad at your spouse and still love them, right? You can be mm -hmm. angry at them and still love them. And so the thing about love though, is it's very general. When I say, I love you, it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But when I say, I appreciate you, it's usually very specific. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you taking out the garbage. I appreciate you doing the laundry. I appreciate you doing the dishes. I appreciate you coming home early from work to take care of whatever problem is that I've asked you to come home for, right? Okay. All of those things the appreciation is specific and it makes you feel appreciated. So as a person in the partnership, it feels like it's building you up. Same thing in work. You know, you think about your employees when they are, you tell them specifically, I appreciate how you handled that call or how you dealt with that client or how you mentored this other employee, the appreciation is specific and they really feel good about the relationship and the compliment that they're receiving. Okay. Well, I appreciate you telling me that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> Very and cool. The, oh, and the boy, last, the, third. the last one is don't go to bed angry. And so this one's very simple, but the idea is if you go to bed angry, you wake up angry and you start your day from the previous uh, day before you. So you're sort of bringing all of those emotions forward. So the same thing here is that when you clear yourself out before you go to bed, you're starting over fresh the next morning. So that means you have to have a, have a decision. Is it important enough? Is the argument important enough to stay up and, and have a fight or a conversation about it? Or can you let it go? And if you do let it go, then that's really it. When your head hits the pillow, it's over, it's done. Because see rule number one, you can't get up in the morning and hold, you know, keep onto that score. Right. So in work, it's the same thing is that, you know, essentially when you, when you want to leave the office, you want to be able to have closure. And so part of this is to make sure if there's unresolved conflict, to do your best to resolve the conflict in the day that it's happening so that it doesn't drag out. And mm. especially if it's going back and forth on email where there's no emotion and, and there's all kinds of, you know, people are getting frustrated and bent around, uh, you know, whatever the issue is. If there's a way for you to pick up the phone and resolve a conflict, it's going to make you feel so much better to start your day that, and fresh the next day. Okay. And then in case that the conflict isn't able to be resolved that day, let's say like uh, you're probably going to need to fire an employee or something like that, or, uh, you know, there's some sort of disciplinary action that has to come along with that. Mm -hmm. A good way to, you know, lead that from perhaps you have to bring in a boss or somebody, you know, uh, somebody like a senior person into the, into the mix is there kind of a process? Yeah, that? You do, you, the, the, in that particular case, you're not uh, delaying it. What you're doing is you, you are clear that this a shift needs to happen. And so from that perspective, you're still not going to bed angry because essentially what you're doing is you're putting those wheels in motion. You're having a conversation with the HR, head of HR. You're having a conversation with the boss. You're having a conversation with whoever else needs to be involved. Maybe you called the lawyer to make sure you have severance pa papers drawn up or packages or whatnot and, and you go through that. And those are your precautions. I mean, I've, I've had many a conversation with an employee where 
uh, it wasn't like I was ready to fire them. I was, I was ready to sort of get through and I had all my ducks in a row, but we were able to work it out. And so I never had to pull out that file with all the information and the next steps because we were able to get resolution on the issue, but I was prepared to let them go if we really weren't able to get to that resolution. Okay. And so there is a distinction between preparation and execution. And so okay. what you're speaking into is preparation and that is exactly right. Like you want to be prepared to take the right actions. And so if that means you're pushing it off a day or two or even a week, you're still, you, you, you've put those plans in motion and you're not unresolved hanging out and taking up a lot of your brain space. Very cool. And, um, and where's the best place to get a hold of your book? Mm. Yeah. So three rules of marriage.com T H R E E. So spell it out three rules of marriage.com and there you're going to get the first two chapters totally for free as well nice. as a, a complimentary workbook. So we actually just released the audiobook too. So you'll see that the actual, the, the, the hard copy as well as paperback editions are on Amazon as is the audiobook. So all available okay. there. And that's why we have the workbook so that you don't have to, if you're on the audible version, you can basically do that. Or if you don't want to just, you know, uh, write in your book. So is the workbook uh, like something you purchase extra or is it like a download? It's free. It's totally free. So it's a, it's a PDF download and uh, same thing with the free chapters. You just go in, you, you, you pull it down and then it's, it's, it's yours. Yeah. Hey everybody, Jess here. What if I could help your company find over a hundred thousand dollars in hidden revenue streams in less than an hour without spending an extra dime on advertising or marketing? Reach out to me at cardzap.thebumpcard.me. Check out the video on five steps to profit and also reach out and we can have a conversation. Thank you. Oh, fantastic. That sounds Great. like a good deal. So make sure everybody gets, uh, gets a copy. Uh, I'm, I'm more of an audible guy these days. I just don't... Uh, pick up the books as fast as I used to. I mean, you can see all the books behind me that I have. That's right. And uh, I have read quite a few of them, but I still still buy more than I have read. But uh, but I've seen, seems to have transitioned a lot to audiobook in the last maybe two, three years here. So, um, but now we're not driving quite as much. So I have to, you know, you know, around the house uh, doing stuff, I can listen and, and stuff. But uh, so tell me a little bit about, uh, I saw on your profile picture on LinkedIn that you've, uh, you were in a picture with uh, Tony Robbins and a bunch of other folks. And look, yeah. I think you had told me you were at some event or something. Yeah, it was really crazy. That particular picture was just, it's, it's, uh, it was surreal. So what happened was, is that I had covered, and this was back when I was writing for Inc. I had okay. written a couple articles about uh, his book, The Unshakable. And prior mm. to that, I'd had a sit down interview with him about his Netflix special, I'm Not Your Guru. All and right. so that was really, that was really cool. So I had a good hour and a half uh, speaking with him and Joe Berlinger, who was the uh, director, amazing guy. He did a lot of great movies and it was fantastic to speak with both of them so on this particular case uh, I had already written the article about Unshakable after writing about money master the game and really loved the content I mean it, truly I've written I've read a number of financial books in my lifetime and this one was the easiest to read uh, mm -hmm. you know there's some great financial books out there but if you're not an economist or you don't have a good financial background it's there sometimes you get lost trying to read all the great wisdom mm -hmm. what Tony Robbins had did is he actually had interviewed 50 of the richest people that he had direct access to, including Sir Richard Branson, including yeah. like, you know, the, you know, uh, John Vogel and, and so, so many of these other just profound billionaires and all of them, he said, uh, if you could not give any money to your, uh, to your children, but you could only give them advice, what would you tell them? What a great question, right? So he went mm -hmm. through all that. So I did all this work and then I went on vacation 
hiking with my family and I took my kids down to Costa Rica. We went whitewater rafting, had a great time. And during the time I was in Costa Rica, I got a call from Tony Robbins publicist saying, hey, are you going to be back in New York on Tuesday? And I said, sure, why? He goes, because Tony Robbins would love for you to be there when he rings the NASDAQ opening bell. And I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> so it was insane. So I'm sitting there as he rings the NASDAQ opening bell. And the only way you can ring the NASDAQ opening bell is if you actually take your company public or you are doing a massive charitable event. And that's exactly what this book was tied into a charitable event because most okay. of the, pro almost all the proceeds, I think, went to uh, Feed America. So he had okay. fed, it was, he's on a path to feed a billion people through these types of uh, charitable contributions, including oh. the proceeds from his book. And so he was ringing the NASDAQ opening bell. I got a chip. To, to speak with him. And then we had the picture outside with Ariana Huffington and just, uh, you know, AJ Gupta, some of the, you know, crazy ass billionaires out there that he's connected to and me, <laughs> which is like, so one of these kids is not like the other, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Wow. What a, what a great opportunity there. So it really was good. So, um, so as somebody is growing their business and really moving on, um, is there, um, you know, some, uh, some good um, tips to kind of just uh, fine tune things that you found that really makes a massive difference for a lot of people in your uh, years of training people? Yeah, you know, I will say that the thing for me is I can't emphasize enough the my grandfather's wisdom, which was measure twice, cut once. You know, mm -hmm. he was a carpenter and I took that carpentry insight into business and measure twice, cut once really means that before you spend a bunch of money on anything, really make sure you know what you're up to and what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs who just dive in and try to get in there and sort of in, and take bold action, which I'm all for. I'm I love swift and bold action, but if you really haven't taken the time to think about what the outcomes are, or even how would you know if you were successful, you know, what ends up happening is we start to flounder, you know, we sort of go around and we, and we sort of, uh, you know, spend a lot of time and money on things that, that don't really prove out to be successful. So what I found to really work is really get clear on the needs of your client. And I do that usually by having conversations with them. So if you're B2B, it's a lot easier than B2C, but on the B2B side, really get crisp. What is it your, your client needs? Be very clear about it. And, and if, if anything, you might feel like you're being a little redundant by asking as many questions mm -hmm. and probing, but once you get there and you have absolute clarity on the need, then it's so much easier to execute. So once you've measured twice, then you have confidence in your ability to execute. You know exactly what things should cost and how to do them and all the work that gets done. That is where I've seen so much uh, efficiency in this kind of work as we grow. Okay. Yeah, that's great advice. I, I think I'm kind of a, one of those folks you were talking about. I tend to, you know, just, I see something, a shiny object and I'm all over it. Like, uh, you know, like squirrel. <laughs> yes, exactly. A moth on a on a light bulb or something, but uh, and you're not alone. I mean, that's that, that's exactly it. Especially when you think about the internet age. It, you know, it, I, as soon as I think something, I can Google it, and as soon as I can Google it, I can buy it. And so within five minutes, I've made a purchase. Now, yeah. five minutes ago, that wasn't even a thought. <laughs> like that's crazy to me, right? Yes. So, so this is what happens with entrepreneurs is we just decide like, okay, I'm not interested in going forward with QuickBooks. Oh, I should check out FreshBooks. Okay, I'm now a customer of FreshBooks. Like it's that fast. And we haven't done our due diligence. We haven't checked things out. So I think it's, that's what I mean by measure twice, <laughs> cut once is great to do the research. But when you take these massive actions quickly like that, and you really haven't built out your plan, you tend to be in reaction. 
And so the key there is, is to really design the outcomes you want to see in your business, as opposed to reacting to the opportunities that show up in front of you. But the pop-up said, I was going to say 50% if I act within 30 minutes. So I had to make a decision. That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> They're effective. Uh, yeah. Hey, I'm, no, no, I mean, lead pages has exploded. I mean, there's reasons oh, yeah. those click funnels continue to be successful. Yeah, they work. It's, yeah. It is, but I think that, but who do they work for? That's the question, right? So as the, as the client on the other side of this, I want to make sure that I've really done my due diligence and, and I'm going to let go of that need to buy in 30 minutes so that I can actually ensure that I've like crossed my T's and dotted my I's to really make sure it's a good investment that it's going to get an expected return. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, I had a really good one. Now it's, I'm a, sorry, but no, no, you're good. That was, that was, that was amazing stuff. You just went through. I was just really, uh, um, really into that. So, um, but, um, yeah, well, Oh, it was LinkedIn. I was going to ask you about, um, yeah. I know you use LinkedIn quite, quite a bit. And obviously um, I do a lot of LinkedIn training. That's kind of my, 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 yeah. sure, whatever you want to call it. Um, so what's your, um, like maybe like a success story or something that's come through LinkedIn. And a lot of people are like, well, is it really worth it or. Oh, totally. You know? I, look, I, I would say that like, there's so many aspects of my business that have been grown by LinkedIn and even the free versions. So, so for, I'm going to put sales navigator aside for a second. So you've sure. got the power tools that are amazing. Just identifying like who it is. I know who my ideal customer is. I'm going to go after them. I want to say, okay, here's someone that I want to connect with. I have built up a network of over 6,500 contacts and don't get me wrong. I am not in any way, shape or form leveraging that to the level it could be for sure. But what I find is the idea of being able to make a connection, make an introduction, offer something of value, not spam, not adding you to my newsletter. I'm not asking you to do something along those lines. I'm saying, Hey, I, I thought of you. There's something specific that I want to share with you. Let's connect. I'll tell you a, a great example that just happened to me was uh, a gentleman uh, who was trying to court me for my old company or trade point for, um, for NetSuite. He, he sent me, he connected with me on LinkedIn, but the way he connected me on LinkedIn was he said, uh, did you get my, the mug I sent you? Now I happened to be on vacation. So this would have worked a lot better if he'd known that I wasn't on vacation, but you know, how, how do you know these things? Right. right. But what he had done is he'd found on my LinkedIn profile that I went to Salem state college. He went there, got a super nice, beautiful mug of my college, sent wow. it to me with a note and handwritten note saying, Hey, I'm really excited to speak to you. And I'd love uh, 15 minutes of your time. Now, how do you say no to that? <laughs> like, like for real, like, it's like, right. even though I didn't even need, I didn't need that suite. It wasn't the thing that I was interested in. I still called him back. I connected with him. We had a conversation. I shared with him that, you know, this would have been great a few years back and, you know, we missed our window of opportunity there. But in that case, it was such a thoughtful gesture. It was really hard for me to just blow someone off like that. Yeah. As opposed to, hey, we've got web developers for $14 an hour. You know, we offshore everything. Come talk to me. I get 100 of those a day. I don't care, right? It just doesn't matter, right? So, so for me, it's like, how, how are you being thoughtful? How are you connecting? <coughs> And I've done it as simple as, you know, free coaching sessions. I've given people copies of my book. I have offered them to come to one of my workshops, you know, it might be two, $300 and I'll give it away for free, right? I'll do some of those types of things. And all of those things add massive value first. Yeah. So for me, that has been my way in. Every time I've ever been successful on LinkedIn, 
I've really spent the time up front. I don't make a massive outreach. I, I look at my handful of maybe 10, 20 people that I really want to connect with, yeah. be thoughtful about who it is that I want to connect with. And then I, I really make it about them and the value that I would like to give to them with no strings attached. And inevitably that always works in my favor. And even if I don't get business from them, we start to create a real authentic relationship, which nine times out of 10 is more valuable than just getting a one-off piece of business anyway. Yeah. You know? Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I talk a lot about, you know, building relationships and building rapport and finding, you know, finding areas of commonality that you can, you know, reach out to. Like um, one of the biggest ones is just like, if there's like a charity that you're involved, you know, if you can reach out talking about the charity and not talking about business or, you know, if somebody likes fly fishing, talk about fly fishing, you know, it's all about what their interest is, what their desires, what their wants, what their goals are. And then focusing on that, and reaching out with that uh, vein of helping them in that area, um, you know, with no, uh, you know, getting anything in return. Um, it just makes a huge difference. It's just, it's just, I think, I think people can feel the authenticity of you, you just trying to get to know them as a person. You know, obviously they know that at some point you want to talk business. I mean, yeah. it's kind of what LinkedIn's all about, but, but if you can, uh, you know, be thoughtful about it, reach out, you know, and, uh, you know, um, got to talk to a, a, a billionaire just through the chat, but, but I guess, you know, but because we talked about his charity and how I, you know, it was, it was, it was military charity. And I knew another guy that had a nonprofit military. And so I was basically just trying to introduce them together. I said, Hey, I got this other guy that does a charity similar to yours. You know, can we have you introduce? And then I get the opportunity to be the middle guy that kind of gets yeah. to, talk to both, you know? It's beautiful. What, the, the, what, that's part of the adding value is what you just shared there too, which I love, is I am constantly looking at who can I connect in my own network to just because I know they're the right people to be having conversations. So, hey, this person runs a mobile uh, mobile company. This other the person is looking for support in some some of the technology back end that they're doing right connect the dots because they're two trusted people in my network and making those connections and introductions are so much more valuable than an individual reaching out on their own and so if i can make that connection then i'm also adding credibility to my network and it becomes more valuable to be connected with me because of the other people that i can connect you with and i, I find that that's one of the most invaluable things of linkedin is that we're we're making the world smaller here we're helping each other and, and I, used to, I used to spend a lot of time early in my business career in a place of scarcity. Like, oh, Whoa. these are my contacts. Like, I'm not gonna share my contacts. Yes. Like, I worked really hard for them, right? <laughs> and now I'm in a complete other place. I'm in abundance. It's like, you know, half these people, I need an excuse to talk to them. I mean, what the hell? 6,500 contacts, like, that's just absurd. Like, I can't possibly keep those people engaged. You know, it doesn't matter how many articles I write or what I do, they just, they're not seeing me. So if I were to say, you know, hey, I thought about you today and here's someone that I think you should speak to and here's why, now I just added value to two people in my network and I don't have to be part of it. I just wanted yeah. to connect two people. That's the value of really being yeah. in abundance and it's totally shifted my mindset in LinkedIn. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's probably the biggest thing is introducing two people together that have common things and just being the middle person and just saying, hey, meet this person. No, you know, and then it's just kind of like, um, they just feel like, wow, like a week after they make that conversation and they have a good conversation, they're calling you going, hey, thank you, man, this was great. You know, and then all of a sudden now you have a conversation where you're going, well, how, is there any other people I can help you with? And then they're like, well, how can I help you? Yes. And then there's this just magic that happens. And, and um, I know uh, like uh, one of the people I worked with is like four deep, you know, in, in referrals that way. 
uh, was one of my best clients and has referred me several other clients and is now my best referral partner, but it was all through, you know, one person who moved away from Minnesota that I happened to meet, but didn't even meet him in person. I just met him on LinkedIn, but they were in Minnesota. And then they knew, met me as somebody in Florida that met me somebody in California. And, and I mean, it was just kind of this crazy, you know, little thing, but, uh, uh, but I can't tell you how many times, you know, where like um, uh, there's a New York Times bestselling author that invited me to go have a, go do a, a whiskey tasting with him and one stayed away and it was like a four hour drive or something. So I went and hung out for the day, you know, kind of like you did with Tony Robbins there, you know, kind of yeah. same thing. Um, but it's just, it's just amazing how you can do that with LinkedIn. But, but um, you know, and, and then just adding value to me constantly. It's like, so, so one of the things that was such a great way when I started my coaching business was people I actually knew, like not, not random people that I was reaching out to like, you know, Hey, I want to connect with you, but people right. that I actually knew and in a different context, just saying, Hey, listen, when you and I are working together in this capacity, you know, I really enjoyed this and I do this about our working relationship. Now I've shifted my career. Now I'm focusing on as an executive coach. Do you know anyone that mm. would benefit from a one hour free coaching session with me? Now notice, I didn't say, do you want one? Yeah. I mean, that was, I, and I was very clear about that because, uh, you know, I don't want them to think, oh, you need coaching. Cause that's the thing that I think anytime <laughs> that it's like, oh, geez, it's like, you know, no one needs coaching. It's, it's definitely the right. best people in the world have coaches, but no one needs it. One needs a coach. Right. So when I'm thinking about that was, uh, do you know anyone that could benefit from a one hour coaching session with me? I got referrals. And some of the times they said me, I could use it. Right. Which yeah. is great. So yeah. I didn't imply, I didn't imply anything. I didn't impose anything. And it was especially early on. It was the best way to build my practice because I got great experience giving away free sessions. I know that I added value to all those free people that I, that I talked to that I never got a dime from. didn't matter because I, net, I was building my own muscle on how to be a great coach. At the same time, they were constantly referring me to other people that needed those same services. And it was a fantastic way. And I mean, it was such a rapid fire growth. And I yeah. just can't imagine without LinkedIn, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere with that, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah, it is a pretty awesome uh, platform. So, well, good. Um, well, I, I suppose we should probably get let you get on with your uh, day. But uh, man, I've had a really good conversation. There, I feel like uh, I learned yeah. learned a lot, and uh, and I'm sure a lot of people listening will will get some good value out of that. And when now you had some sort of big launch or something coming up on the. Th- Third. Yeah. So, so here's what's happening. So three rules of marriage.com. That's where you can go to find all the information about my book on September 3rd. We're doing a huge push. I'm actually going through the process of building a, a Amazon bestselling book. And what's great when I say building the process, it, you, you, you cannot do such a thing in New York times, like for New York times bestseller, there's such a, it's such a massive, massive undertaking, unless you're like a, already a bestselling author. It's like, you know, that it's really difficult to, to manufacture that. But when it comes to Amazon, there's actually a lot of really great techniques because of the data and the algorithms and all the things you have access to, you can actually create your own bestseller. And, I, and so I've spent the last six months studying all this stuff. And so the big, big ta-da is on, uh, on September 3rd from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m., very specific time frame. We're dropping the price of our uh, ebook from 10 bucks 
to three bucks. So $2.99, right? And the reason we're doing that is we're actually going to push and get over a hundred sales in the various different categories, which will make sure that it is a, a best-selling book. And my goal is here is to get as close to 200. So I'll have all the categories across the board, but it's happening all within that same exact hour. So yeah. we're promoting the hell out of this and giving away. And during that time, we'll be giving away uh, free audible copies. So when people purchase it, we're randomly selecting people who purchase there to get the free audible version. We'll be sending off hard copies as well. So we're going to make a big deal about all of this stuff. So nice. if anyone, if any of your listeners are interested, it's only a, what, another week or two away. Uh, if they want to, to get this for the $3.99 price point, you know, come in on September 3rd between 11 and 12, and uh, they'll have a chance to win other stuff as well. We'll be giving away during that time. Very cool. I find, um, I find that uh, one of the biggest things that I found is, is you got to get reviews within, you know, when that's what your promotional help with yes. reviews, but if you can get above, like, it's like 20 to 30 uh, reviews, it seems like you have a sustained selling for quite a while. Whereas if you're below that, you kind of does this big spike and then it drops down. That's right. Oh, so, um, so I think what you're doing is absolutely exactly right. I, uh, so anyway, it's, uh, it's what you're doing is brilliant. And uh, so I definitely have to give you kudos for uh, figuring out that, the tricks of the, of that trade. Uh, Cause uh, if you don't know what you're doing, it's, it's almost impossible to even get an Amazon bestseller, but, but it's actually not as hard as you think. If yeah. you figure out how to, you know, focus the marketing uh, cab, you know, so. Just it's like anything. It's tenacity, right? It, it's it's you really it's really t going through the grind, taking all the steps, making sure every T is crossed and every I is dotted. I'll tell you what's really frustrating for me is that I did this book on Audible as well as the printed versions and the digital version. And the thing about Amazon is, you know, I've got six reviews now or seven something like that. I'm I'm, I'm pushing my way up. I'm trying to get ten reviews before we do the actual official launch mm. on the on the on uh, the third. But what's interesting is. Now I'm restarting all that over on Audible because Audible was just released and those reviews don't cancel, don't come over. So I got to have a 10 separate Audible reviews. So if anyone yeah. wants to review the book, they can reach out to me. I actually have a review code and I'll give any, any of your listeners who would like to get a free Audible version of my book. I will happily send them one as long as they promise to give a review. I don't care if it's a good review, but <laughs> I need a review because here's the thing. I need 10 <laughs> honest reviews up on Audible. And so like, the first 10 people that come out and say, Hey, I'll give you a review. Great. I'll give them the book for free so that they have a chance to do that. So. All right. Well, I'll be getting a code. I hope. Yes, of course. All if, right, you, all right. if you give me a review, I promise I'll give you a code. That's how I, it works. I'd be happy to do that for you. So great, Jess. Thing. Uh, so anyway, uh, great uh, having you today. Again, give them your website one more time. Yep. Three rules of marriage.com. T H R E E rules of marriage.com. And, uh, and I'm personally bill at billcarmody.com. It's on my email address and my website's billcarmody.com. Yeah. Perfect. Great. Thanks again. And, uh, Thanks, and we'll uh, be in touch. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on your show. Appreciate it, Jess.